Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is really great to be here today. We're going to focus on the gospel lesson, and the theme there is the theme of prayer. We all have different sort of approaches and ways that we view prayer. I know that uh, some of them seem almost laughable, but they're very common, and I've held them. Uh, there's the point of view that God is sort of like the 911 operator that you call when you have an emergency. You don't call that number to say, hey, do you have a good recipe for banana bread? Because that's totally wrong. That person is stressed with crises and with calls from all over and triaging and working that. And so God is seen that way, that you only call upon him when it's the most dire emergency, because after all, you're one in a million, and he's awful busy. And then, of course, there's the view that comes from back in my old day. I don't think they make vending machines that use coins anymore. But back then, God used to be like the vending machine, that you would pick what you wanted, okay, that's it, then you would take a coin and you make sure it was just right, and you'd put it in, maybe two of them, and then you'd plop down, and then you'd push the button, and out would come, except sometimes nothing came. And now, sometimes we think of prayer that way. We think of something we need, we want God to do. And then we get the perfect words and the perfect posture, and we maybe are extra nice to somebody for a day, kind of butter God up, and then we ask him, kind of like dropping in the coin, surely he will do this, and then nothing happens. And we do it a second day, and then we say, oh well, prayer doesn't work. Because God's not a machine. He's not manipulated. Anyway, there are lots of views. What is the right one then? Well, Jesus gives us some really good help today in this sort of how-to passage. He's traveling through the many, many, there are hundreds of villages in Galilee, all about 50 to 100 people, small little towns, and he would go to them and he'd speak. And on the way, he comes across a learner who asks him that question about, hey, teach us to pray. And so he does. And what he does, Jesus does three things. He gives them a prototype for prayer. He gives them a process for how to pray. And then he gives them a promise for when they pray. So there's a prototype, there's a process, and there's a promise. We begin by looking at the prototype, which of course is the very familiar Lord's Prayer. Now you may look at this and say, there's something wrong about this Lord's Prayer. It's not the one we're going to say later on in the service. That's because the one we usually put in our liturgy is from Matthew. This is a Luke version. Jesus preached hundreds of sermons to hundreds of crowds, and oftentimes he'd say the same thing in one slightly different version from another. So it's not really a big crisis that he said it slightly differently here. It's the same parallel themes as the one we're used to. It begins with an acknowledgement and a greeting of God that has some affection and some honor in it, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. It's uh, sort of a start to the prayer so that we remind ourselves who we're talking to. And then there's the pleas, the petitions. We petition the Father to rule 
in our world because things need to be made right. They're so chaotic. There's so much difficulty. We pray for his rule. We pray that he would render to us our basic needs like bread because we are his creatures who are needy and he knows that. And so we pray for him in whatever the simplest and most mundane of our needs. We're not ashamed to come before him. We pray that he would reconcile our relationships, that he would forgive our sins and reconcile our relationship with the Father, but also that he would bring some reconciliation to the people around us as we go through this process of forgiveness. Finally, we pray that you would rescue us, Lord, from the trials and the tribulations that every day show up in life. All these things we pray. And God is a willing listener. This kind of prayer is really a handy prayer to know. It's quite simple. It's pretty easy to remember. And it's portable. Wherever you go, you can say this prayer. At any time. For myself, it's a part of my daily life. When I wake up in the morning, first thing that comes into mind is one of two things. A lot of worry or the Lord's Prayer. Eventually, the Lord's Prayer does show up. (laughs) And I like to say it. And between all those four major groups of praying, I kind of fill in my own life with them. The relationships that are messed up. The world in my world that's not too good, and those kind of things. And I find it's a very useful prayer, and it's, I'm really glad the Lord gave it to us. I hope you use it, uh, or some version of it. So that's the prototype. But how do we actually do this? That was the question. Lord, teach us to actually do this. And so Jesus changes gears, and he tells a story. Now, Jesus was a very entertaining speaker. People flocked to hear him by the hour. So we're not surprised that here he tells a comical sort of story or parable. In a village, the people who were peasants generally lived in stone-built houses that were small rooms. And there maybe would be just two rooms or even one in a family's house. And if you... uh, were to go there, you'd see there'd be a door, and then there'd be a lower area uh, to the room, and then it would be built up, sort of like the floor down here and where I'm standing. And down here on this floor area where the door was would be a couple of mangers. That's because at night, their vulnerable uh, lambs and calves would be brought in to be safe. So, you brought them into the house. Ladies, you can, men, you can imagine the house cleaning issues this created. But it would be a good idea. And then up on the upper area would be where the family would sleep and where their lives would kind of carry on. Well, in this story, it's midnight. The animals have been brought in. The door has been bolted. The kids are in bed. The man and his wife are sound asleep, snoring. And all of a sudden... What's that? It's his friend from next door. <laughs> and his friend has a problem. He said, I've had another friend of mine who just showed up from a long trip. I need three loaves of bread because, after all, in that day, 
there was a tremendously powerful hospitality ethic and you took care of people who showed up in your doorstep even if you didn't know them. And he eats three loaves of bread because he doesn't have any. Well, the man who's asleep is kind of grumpy about this. He says, God, just go away. Okay, don't you see what time it is? Kids are in bed. Everybody's asleep. Go away. But the man keeps, no, hey, I need three loaves of bread. Give me three loaves of bread. Can I get three? And finally it says, he gets up not because of his friendship, but because of the man's insistence. And of course, he gets him the three loaves of bread that they had baked for their breakfast in the morning, gives it to him, and everybody's awake, and the sheep are bleeding, and the kids are wondering what's going on, and it's a messed up night. But the point is, is that God wants us to identify with the friend who was insistent as a model for prayer. Okay? So what he says is, taking from this story and remembering that, he tells them, when you pray, I want you to follow three commands. The three commands are ask, seek, and knock. And the word there is interesting. Those three verbs actually are in what Greek calls the present tense, which means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on pounding on the door. Make it a diligent, persistent, insistent effort, like the guy did who was looking for the bread. Those are the three commands. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. The word seeking is really interesting. It's actually a word that means not just like looking around, but striving, searching, trying to dig up something. It's a process of ongoing quest. What are the consequences? Well, there were three commands, there's three consequences. Ask, and you what? Ask, and you will receive. Oh, wow. Well, that's pretty simple. You know, sometimes it really works just that simple. When I was going to seminary back in the 15th century, I uh, was in a situation where I had moved to the city, and I was all trying to set up. I'd gotten a job, but I had, like, no money. I needed $500 by the next day to pay the tuition. It was my deadline, or I couldn't enroll the first term. And that night, I just prayed, Lord, I need $500. I've tried everything. I can't find $500. I came up here for nothing if I don't get this. I went to bed. Next day, I think, I'll go into the school and make my arrangements not to be there. <laughs> but first, I'll get the mail. And I got the mail, and there was a check anonymously. It was a, uh, what do you call those kind of checks that are uh, uh, certificates? What uh, Money order, thank you, yeah. For $500. Whoa, man, I went to the bank, and I said, here's my check. I'm in business. Let's go. Some days are like that. A lot of days aren't like that. In this particular thing, he says, ask and you shall receive, but it doesn't fill in the blank of what you'll receive. We're going to find out later that what you're going to receive is going to be some kind of a good gift from a wise, caring God. But we aren't really told. Just ask and you'll receive, fill in the blank. 
And the other one is seek, strive, search, and you will find, you will discover, you will unearth something. When we pray as strivers and seekers and questers, it takes a little time. And usually what happens is we undiscovered something new. Maybe we're really not in the right place that God wants us to be to have it. Or maybe God has a little different idea of how to do this. But whatever it is, eventually we come out in our walk with God finding what he wants us to know because we pray striving. This is a little bit of work. This is kind of like Abraham's prayer, you know, relentless. And then, of course, there's asking and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and what? The door will be opened. Keep on knocking. This is like the most ferocious one. This is really highly insistent. Pound, 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 pound on God's door. We're not really sure where we're opened up to. Again, like the strive, all these have sort of tantalizing, open-ended consequences. But there's a sense that you enter in somehow into a place you need to be, a permanent posture of faith, perhaps, or a refuge. God desires that our prayer not be putting a coin and waiting and then quitting. But that would be part of a lifestyle of striving and learning and growing and letting him answer. And these issues, of course, don't get too worried about whether it's okay for me to ask. Let God filter out your prayers for you. Because guess what? He's wiser than me. You think that's a silly thing to ask for, or maybe that isn't, maybe that's not. Just ask. Okay, recognizing that God can say, mm, well, that's actually what you really want is option C, not that one, okay? That's the process of prayer. Be bold. Be insistent. Be continuous. But then we get to the promise of prayer. And the promise is a great promise. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give a fish? Instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give all the money you need, give you good times? No. Oh. Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit? I didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What about my stuff? Well, God does give stuff. We're told in the scriptures that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above who loves to give. Is there anything good in your life? I was thinking about this last night as I was trying to fall asleep, the things that are good in my life. And I really start looking about it it's kind of like, I am overwhelmed. I, I couldn't begin to write them all down. And then I remember, I didn't ask for any of these. And most of them I've never said thank you for. And yet God loves to give. To those who are wicked and reprobate, he still gives good gifts. Because they're still deserving? Probably not. 
but because he loves to give. If 98% of what is good in my life comes to me without my prayers and without my thanksgiving and without my even awareness of tying this to God who is the one who loves to give, if he does that, doesn't that prove that he's pretty caring and maybe he can be trusted with a prayer for the remaining 2%? But that's the stuff. Actually, what the Lord tells us is that he gives us the Holy Spirit. Wow. In other words, instead of giving us stuff, he gives us the giver of all the good stuff. God himself is given to us to be our resource, to be our one that we are reliant upon for everything, who lives in us. How does this work? Well, if you need help, you call upon what the Bible calls the helper, the Holy Spirit. If you need comfort, you call upon the Holy Spirit, who's the spirit of comfort. If you need wisdom, you call upon the Holy Spirit, who lives within you, who God has given to you, who he refers you to, who will give you, in fact, what you need. This is a great thing. However, it doesn't sound as cool as a perfect family and a big paycheck. It reminds me of the old cartoon. Oh dear, I am showing my age so badly when I'm up here. Well, wait a minute, some of you people are old too. Okay, this is gonna work. Do you, any of you remember the far side cartoons? Okay, it was this single shot cartoon and it would be these googly, goofy-looking, sort of stick figure, primitive drawings of these weird people doing things that made us see ourselves. And in this one famous cartoon that I've always loved, there's this picture of a road, and you're approaching on the road, like this is it. As you come to the road, here is a signpost. There is one road to the left, and a second one to the right. And the signpost points you to the left, and it says, the meaning in life. Go that way. And you look down there far off, and there isn't anybody on that road. Nobody wants meaning in life. The second one, going far off, says, 99 cent burgers. And there's a line that extends from here to infinity of people who are dying to get a 99-cent burger. Oh, we are such people of folly. The Lord knows that, and he's gracious with us. But let's actually value the Holy Spirit. <laughs> let's seek him. Let's ask, seek, and let's pray. Because after all, in the end, prayer is not really about coercing God, changing God's mind, getting God to do my will, changing God. Prayer is about changing me. The soul crafting of God, building up my spiritual faith muscles as I ask, seek, and knock. Lord, will your word be a light to our feet and a light to our path today. In Christ's name, amen.